everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. My name is Wendy Batts, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Mr. Marty Miller. Marty, how are you today? Great, Wendy. Looking forward oh. to this week. Yes, I love this topic. I love everything about this talk, topic because you and I talk a lot about exercises and different activities. And I think you said that you had someone ask you, well, what's the difference? And so that is the reason for this week's uh, episode. And I mean, again, some of it seems like we should know, oh, it's this versus that. But I think sometimes I don't think it needs to be versus, but I think it should be and <laughs> personally. And I'm excited about today. Yeah, I think hopefully we'll get some clarity on it and give some, you know, people some understanding of what we mean by it, but also how can you translate this into your client's uh, mindset and thought process? Yes. So let's dive on in. Let's get to it. <laughs> so today we're going to actually talk about the differences between exercise and activity, and then truly how much exercise do we need? And then obviously we're going to talk about what you and I do, Marty, and then how active we need to be when this question comes up. Do you really know how to answer that for your clients? And hopefully by today, you will. Exactly. I'm sure they will, actually. So when we look at exercise versus activity, obviously, there's going to be some carryover between them. But, you know, when we look at it, we've got to look at the total energy expenditure factors, right? So if we're looking at the two that we have the arrow on, right? So let's look at the bottom left first. Calories burned during exercise exercise, amount of calories in a workout. So that workout, we're going to kind of say is a structure. It could be any phase of the model. It could be taking a, a class, you know, whether it's a yoga or a high intensity class or a Pilates class. Then we have the other factor, the non-exercise activity thermogenics, or you've seen this term before called NEAT, the amount of energy the body uses to do daily activity. So how active are you? Do you have a job that requires you to be moving all day? Do you have a job that requires you to be sitting all day? What do you do with your free time? So that's going to be a big part of the difference between exercise and activity. Yeah. And I think this is important too, because, you know, I know for me, I'm a very neat person. Um, I am always doing activities of daily living around my household. So I vacuum all the time. You know, I'm cleaning, I'm running up, up and downstairs. I'm lifting heavy things, moving it from one room to another. And then of course I have a very active seven-year-old. And so those are activities that I do, but those are also activities I do every day almost. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm trying to think about increasing, you know, my calorie expenditure or, you know, really thinking ahead, I want you guys to think what you're doing. Yes, it counts for something. And if you look about how many calories I'm burning throughout the day, however, if I need more, I need to think about what else can I do to then expand or expend more, more than I currently am. And I think oftentimes you're like, well, I'm pretty active at home. Well, I have to clean my house. Why, well, you know, I, I do this, that, and the other, if it's something that you're already doing, those calories are kind of what I say accounted for. So now I've got to try to look into some other place where I can try to do other activities that maybe I need to get done anyway. And, um, and see if maybe that will help increase my, um, my, calories that I needed to expend in order to hit like a weight loss goal, for example. Right. And I actually had to do it the other way around when I was at uh, the country club for six, seven years before coming to the job that I have now, I would track it. I could walk anywhere between three to six miles a day just at work. I rarely sat down. So I had hundreds of extra calories right there. Of course, I was going to do my exercise, but I was in a situation where I didn't want to lose weight. 
So I actually, one, just out of pure hunger and two, out of knowing that I was busier, I would kind of, you know, coordinate snacks and things like that to make sure I could maintain the weight. I, you know, somebody might want to do the opposite way, but for me, you know, with that extra three to six miles is hundreds of calories a day that I had to account for in uh, eating the right way to maintain my weight. Now, even though I still get a lot of my exercise in, I've actually had to put in more structured exercise because I don't get those accidental calories by just walking. Now you'll see later on, I purposely do walk and it's not necessarily for the calorie burn. It's for just getting out of a seated position, keeping my hips moving, you know, things like that. But I've, I've, I went from a job that I never sat down to a job where I could be stuck on a plane for six hours. You're stuck on a plane all the time, Marty. We, you know, again, here's the where's Marty instead of where, where's Waldo. So as you guys know, if Marty doesn't seem to be um, at home very often, so it's interesting to find out where he travels to. But, but I do think, you know, obviously there is a big difference and we need to and have both. And so if we go even to the next slide, when we start kind of digging deeper into like how, how many or how much exercise do we actually need? Well, when you're looking at aerobic activity here, you want to get at least 150 minutes of moderate aerobic activity or 75 minutes of vigorous aerobic activity per week. And so a combination of both is obviously something that I, I think is very beneficial. Um, and then if you look at the other stats from Mayo Clinic here, while in um, 2018, physical activity guidelines recommended that adults engage in at least 150 to 300 minutes per week of moderate exercise, 75 to 150 minutes each week of vigorous movement or an equivalent combination of both intensity. So it turns out that if adults do mo uh, move more than the recommended amount, it can help them live longer. And we, you know, if you go back to our health span versus lifespan, they would live better longer, right? You know, if you're active, you, you can associate that with better outcomes as well. So if you do the math, because I'll be the math person again, Wendy, you know, I love my numbers. If we look at 300 over seven days during the week, and let's assume that someone's going to have a day off, still probably want to be active. You're looking at an hour a day, right? Over the six days, roughly 50 minutes. So you know, there's some choices that need to be made. I'll purposely get up and I'll walk. I will, per you know, I've purchased two pieces of cardio for home. Does, you know, it, there's things you can do, right? To make things, make it easier for you. Because if you let your schedule dictate, you're going to probably miss some of your exercise where it, we've talked about time blocking before, just trying to set yourself up for success. So this, that could be a whole nother conversation to this. Maybe we do a follow-up, Wendy, about how to do all this. Where, how do you get it in? But at a high level, is it's not going to happen by accident. You've got to make a plan. you got to work that plan. you got to be able to adjust that plan because people like me travel. Uh, you know, you have a child and things change. So, you know, however that is, you know, even if we shot for the minimal, the 150, you know, over six days, you know, you're a solid 20, 25 minutes a day. So, you know, how do you get that in? Yeah. And I think, you know what, I think a lot of it too, is us thinking, you know, we always have to like set aside an hour. I get that in my head. Okay. I've got this, this, and this plan. I only have this amount of time. It's really not the convenient part of my day. And I think that's when we need to kind of reevaluate when we were talking about time block like, okay, you know what, I can't do what some of these other people can do and, and go and work out at lunch because afterwards I have important meetings or I have things that I need to look like I didn't just work out. You know, even if I shower, I still am a hot, sweaty mess afterwards because of, you know, 
the afterburn that I have going on. And it looks like I pretty much try to kill myself for 30 minutes. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's important to scheduling it, you know, scheduling it. When you think about it, when Marty says, okay, what, what's 50 minutes of your day? You know, there's 24 hours in a day. You're taking one hour for yourself. I think that's important. And sometimes it's a reality check that you have to give yourself when you say, I just don't have time. Um, because I know Marty, you're really good at making time for it. Um, some of us need to get better, including myself, um, at, at looking at these statistics because it, it can be added in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's even been studies about how older people live longer when they have a dog, right? Cause it's forcing them to walk the dog. So, you know, be creative, right? Wendy, I know your son plays baseball, you know, maybe at practice, if you're not doing something else, you can jog during the practice. And I mean, there's always ways you can sneak it in when it becomes top of mind. That's, I think what we're trying to do today is make it top of mind. Yes. And for, for, for those that listen to Marty and I, um, I am the team mom. So I am actually you know, throwing and catching balls and running after these kids. So I'm actually pretty active during practice. <laughs> I get my practice in too. Kind of wise. So. <laughs> But then it brings us to this next slide when we're when we continue on talking about how much activity that we need. So again, we talked about exercise. Now let's look at some activity. Physical inactivity is one of the leading risk um, factors for non-communicable diseases and mortality. Like guys, we want to think about this. Like when you don't move, you're going to get sick, and then at that point, we're going to have some issues. And I think that's the question when you say, you know, lifespan, health span. Somebody's asked me that, like, well, how long do you want to live? And I always ask the question, well, how long am I healthy? How long am I able to live versus just breathe? Because to me, they're two different things. And so when you have somebody that, you know, isn't very active, you have a 20 to 30% increased risk of, of death, excuse me, compared to people who are active. And so, you know what, that's, that's a, those statistics are not good. <laughs> Nobody wants to die. But then on top of that, guys, just going out for a walk, it doesn't have to be something that's so intense. You know, I think a lot of times just going out for an evening walk with your dog, with your partner, with with your child, whatever. And sometimes just communicating, you know, having the fresh air that is going to help so many people. And it also can help to um, your body long term. Yeah. And imagine if um, we took off the exercise part and we were working with people and we said, Hey, we have something that will give you a 20 to 30% better chance of living longer, healthier. They'd be like, sign me up. You got to exercise. They're like, Ooh, can you put that in a pill? <laughs> no, right. You can't, you got to move. Your body's required to move. And that's just what our jobs are. So we could get into making it fun, making it engaging, making sure they don't get injured, all those things, but you've got to, your body requires movement. And it requires it daily. And people are like, do you exercise seven days a week? I'm like, no, but I'm active seven days a week. And I always joke them because I eat seven days a week, right? But it's really not necessarily that because I'm not on a weight loss program. It's my body doesn't feel good if I sit too long. It's my body's like, what are you doing? Time to get up, time to move, kind of like get these muscles fired up. So that's just my body craves the movement now. Mm-hmm. And I will tell everyone, if you haven't been active and you're trying to go from like couch to something, something's better than nothing. And for the first week or two, it's going to be hard. It is going to feel like a challenge and a chore. But once you set your mind, you've got to make a commitment to yourself. And then you'll notice that after a week or two, you start to feel so much better. And it's just making that initial, let's start something. And again, it doesn't have to be, quote, exercise to start. Start with an activity 
And this is how you can talk to your client. Start with an activity they enjoy. Just a brief walk. If they like to go for a swim, especially now that summer's here, if they like to do, you know, go walk the dog maybe a little bit longer than they have been, maybe walk at a faster pace and then get into different things. Start with something they enjoy, then sprinkle in the exercises. Again, Marty and I have talked multiple times about accidental exercise and different things that you can do that kind of sprinkles in more for more bang for their buck when they're doing something. Um, I think that's important. And then you start to combine them both and you're going to see um, long-term benefits because they stick with it. And second of all, too, then they're start they're going to feel better. They're going to move better. They're going to perform better. And then as you're working with them as a trainer, you're going to get the, all these accolades and you didn't do anything besides getting them to begin moving, which is something they hadn't been doing to start. And even something simple is standing up more often. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I remember this uh, data pretty accurately. You know, Wendy, I'm sitting right now at a stand-up desk. Soon as we're always done recording, I'm always standing back up. So if the numbers come to uh, ring true in my mind, if you stand even just a third of your eight-hour workday, it's like you ran two to three marathons that year from a calorie expenditure. Plus now you look at posture and all these other things. So sometimes just simply getting them to stand longer. Yes. Sit less, move more. <laughs> so how much activity do we need? Globally, 28% of adults aged 18 and that were, that were not active enough in 2000 and, and 2016, men 23% and women 32%. So that's crazy when you think about 18 and older. So we're not talking about seniors. We're not talking about active older adults or not active older adults. We're talking about 18 and over, which is pretty sad. Um, but this means that they don't meet the global recommendations of at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity of physical activity per week. Guys, these statistics are scary because we are sitting more as a society. We are moving less. Our obesity rates are out the roof. Overweight rates are out the roof. Our diets, even though we have access to healthier choices, we're still, because it's cheaper sometimes, choosing non-healthy choices and so therefore, we're not seeing these statistics change. But a lot of times it starts because people just don't want to move. Yeah. And for those of you just joining today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, Marty Miller here with co-host Wendy Batts. We're talking about exercise versus activity. And Wendy, the key thing here is you kind of mentioned it before. It's easy to kind of get in a rut and let things fall off. And then there's that hurdle of initially getting things going. But when you look at this data, you know, it's alarming. And then when you tie this into the leading causes of death, you know, it's basically the best thing we can say is exercise is the best vaccine for anything we may face. Right. Mm -hmm. When you look at, I've never seen a research study says, Hey, to prevent X, Y, or Z never exercise. Right now we're hopefully assuming that people exercise the right intensity with the right form and technique. So they don't get injured orthopedically. That being said, you're not going to see that. Oh, you want to reduce heart disease stop exercising. You want to reduce all these different forms of cancer, stop exercising. So we've got to get people moving. We've got to get people more active, both exercise and activity. The boxes need to be checked, but you know, I know Rick Ritchie has said this. I know I've heard other people say it. You could work out two to three days a week and still be sedentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. It's like, what is working out? You know, and because you've got to think and how long are you working out? Think about how many hours are in a day, a week, a month. 
And, you know, what is the comparison? And then when you look at these stats, when they're saying anywhere from 175 to 300, you know, minutes, I mean, Marty even said that it's 50, 50 minutes a day on average, if you're working out six days a week, taking a day off, if you don't want to work out six days a week, you don't have to, but just make sure that when you're doing it, you're committed, you're working hard, you're really pushing yourself to different limits, you're challenging your abilities to go into things and doing things that you're not comfortable with. And when you do that, you're going to start to see a lot of health benefits you know, not only just just physically, but you're going to feel so much better. And then you're going to do what Marty does. He feels better when he does something every day. And um, me too. But I just, you know, you had said that. So, um, but, you know, movement is medicine. That even made one of, you know, when you're looking at the ACSM reports or whatever that were launched on, the, on these trends, movement is medicine is actually a trend, which is crazy. Um, and there's a lot of things out there to support that. So just really trying to be become very active, doing things that you enjoy, doing daily activities, but then also realizing that exercise is going to be important and using weights and doing things that you enjoy in classes. That's also both of them are going to be beneficial. So but they are different. <laughs> right. And, you know, you could work out two days a week for half hour. That's awesome. It's something. But if you're not active the other days you know, you're checking the box, but you're not where we need to have everyone be. So I think we hammered that point. So sedentary behavior, what is that, right? That, so that's defined as a mean of greater than six hours of daytime sitting or lying down. That's a lot of people, right? So sedentary behavior has been shown to increase with older age and is a risk factor for disease. But whew, I'm telling you, the jobs nowadays, you know, and then people's free time and all that, I, I bet you that six hours a day for a lot of people is would be to them not hard to check that box if they're sitting for at least six hours a day. Well, think about the desk job, you know, um, jobs that are out there. Think about the people that are in, in the, the car. Yeah, you know, you know, people that have to go from different places, um, you know, business to business. And then again, you know, unfortunately, I'm seeing more and more of this in youth. I mean, because of the games, the gaming is killing us, you know, and and of course, we don't always make the best choices when we game, we eat chips and drink, you know, maybe drink some things that we shouldn't be drinking. And so six hours is nothing. Right. I, I was from that generation. I won't age you anywhere. I waited for my parents to wake up. I was outside until they called me to come home. And like, I, I bet you I was outside eight to 10 hours easily um, on a Saturday and, you know, coming home from school another three or four hours before it got dark. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't come from that generation where we wanted to be inside all day. Uh, that was me too. And there was not a cell phone too. I needed to know when it hit this amount of darkness, it was time for dinner and I better be in. So, <laughs> but then again, too, it was a little bit safer times right. as well. Do you want so, to say? Yeah. So there's a ton of research out there. Obviously anything that we try to do here with uh, NASM, unless it's just our opinion from experience and, but that's still anchored in research is let's take a peek of what's happening from a research standpoint. So here's just one of the research articles. So mortality and cause of death in physical activity and insufficient physical activity participants. It's been this longitudinal follow-up study using a national health screening cohort. Well, guess what the research showed? If you move more, you prevent the leading causes of death, you know, substantially so. So you can see this is, uh, you know, high level um, respected journal. So more and more research is coming out that we need to keep people moving. 
to decrease the metabolic syndromes. And obviously metabolic syndrome leads to a lot of other uh, issues health-wise. So, you know, not, not surprising that this research is out there. I'm not surprised either. And we're going to start to see this more and more, I think. So, <laughs> but then again, too, when you keep looking at some of these different graphs and, and Marty, I know that, you know, obviously you guys can see where we're, we're getting this data, but physical activity reduces the risk of diseases. We've talked about that. We know this guys, but when you're looking at type two diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancers, musculoskeletal diseases, and depression, exercise or physical activity or both have shown to be such a positive, you know, they, they allow positive changes in people just of how they feel and how they interact with other individuals. They want to get out and be more social, which is also shown to really, especially in the depression, depression side, because I know since the pandemic, those numbers unfortunately are going in the wrong direction. And so we're starting to see um, kind of the falls from that. But when you're thinking about physical inactivity, this is one of the five leading global risk of mortality. And worldwide, physical inactivity is the main cause or risk factor for approximately 30% of ischemic heart disease burden, 20 to 20 or 21 to 25% of breast and colon cancers, and 6% of deaths. So not good. <laughs> yeah, it, it is definitely uh, an issue. It's the leading cause of death here in America for both uh, males and females. And it's a huge part of that's behavioral based. I'm not going to say it's only behavioral based, but there's a lot of things that can be done to alleviate uh, the stress on the cardiovascular system. If you are eating healthy, sleeping, the stress, but you got to move and you got to move at moderate levels. And again, I, I, you know, Wendy, you and I will not allow any excuse. I don't care what injury you have. If you are determined to move at a moderate intensity, we can find a way to do it. It might be in a pool, it might be an upper body ergometer. It might be a recline bike. Could, could Who knows what we'll figure out. But we will find a way to get that heart rate up uh, appropriately if it's the goal of the client. So we have to focus on getting people to move and just like the OPT model, progress through that phases of training and increase the intensities as we go. Yes. So we're thinking about physical activity. This can be one of the factors that extends lifespan. Um, increasing evidence has demonstrated that physical activity can decrease mortality, which we talked about, especially mortality from cardiovascular disease and cancer. And guys, I mean, I'm telling you, unfortunately, we're hearing more and more, you know, cases of cancer. You know, there's different types of drugs that they can do, different types of, you know, radiation, a lot of different processes. However, you know what? Try to avoid it altogether. Um, unfortunately, you know, people, they have genetic and, you know, um, they're predisposed genetically, um, myself being one of them, I'll openly admit that. But some of the things of, of just being able to move more and being more active can help fight some of these um, some of these diseases and numbers and statistics that we're, unfortunately we're seeing more and more of. Right. Let's control what we can control. Right. You know, Wendy, I joke about this before in the past when we were talking about hypertrophy and things like that. I picked the wrong parents. So I can't control that. Same thing if you're predisposed to other things. You can't control the cards you've been dealt as far as that, the DNA. But we can all control what we eat, sleep, stress, and physical activity. Those are, with, without a doubt, if it's a priority, I always say if you want to see someone's priority, watch what they do, right? So you know, I can say this because I know this from the, my full-time job. If, you, if you're a Netflix junkie, 
guess what? You can still watch Netflix on your cardio equipment. So like there's ways to sneak this in. It just has to be come top of mind and become a priority. And then you are giving yourself the best chance of fighting all of these things that maybe are inevitable for some people. But again, we don't know what we don't know. So could somebody push that off five years, 10 years or permanently? Or can you prevent something by living a healthy, active life for as long as possible? Yes. Small changes. It doesn't have to be all at once, but small consistent changes. consistency. That's the bit. If you looked at dosing, I'd rather take micro dosing for your lifespan starting today. than just let me go into a three month training program, try to annihilate it. And then I drop out. That's true. And that's unfortunately what we see in January at most gyms. And then, you know, ghost town come, uh, <laughs> come, you know, after spring break usually. Right. Um, so the key takeaways is, are you focusing on both exercise and activity? And I think it's important to, to think about the differences. What do you do throughout the day? What are some changes that maybe in the activities that you're doing, you can make a little more challenging to burn more calories throughout. Are you tracking your activity? Again, you know, there's so many different devices out there that tracks how many steps that you take each and every day, how much movement you have. I know for mine, my, I get things that light up and say, I've been sitting too long. It's time to get up and move. There's different alarms that you can set to in some of these tracking devices that are out there, just making yourself more aware, showing your clients that these tools are available to them as well, especially if they're starting to commit. And, you know, we said this movement is medicine, making sure that you're just putting a little bit of things in that can make a big, significant change long term. That would be super important. And then if you do have clients that are sedentary, you know, you have to be very and you talk about this, Marty, because you did your doctorate on it. But, you know, the way that you approach it, you have to be sensitive. You have to be very empathetic to someone, but then try to help them again, make the smaller changes Talk to them about physical activity, start with exercises and, or I'm sorry, activities they enjoy, sprinkle in some exercises. So again, we're working on the, you know, the muscles and the, the things that are going to support our bones. And then at that point, do a combination of both and then try to hit those guidelines that we talked about. Yeah. We're talking about this in a very clinical manner because we're speaking to you as uh, fitness professionals, just going through the science. Then there's the art of how you pull this all together. That's uh, a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day, how I communicate this to somebody who's struggling or I need to motivate. And we've done some things on that in the past and we can always come back around. Feel free to let us know if you have questions on how would you address somebody with these issues. But peer to peer, we need to just hit you with the science and we need people to move more. We need to move better and we need to have them move at higher intensities as is appropriate to them. So if you get those key takeaways and then sneak things in, I'm, I'll park further away in the Costco parking lot. I will purposely do all kinds of stuff to set myself up for success. It's not by accident, but it's easy for me to think about it. And it's always the top of mind. So just getting that shift for you and then teaching your clients to shift their focus as well. Yes. So if you guys have any questions or if there's topics that you want Marty and I to discuss, always, always feel free to email us or let us know because we want to obviously bring up topics that are going to be of interest to you and not just what we think we want to talk about or what we think you guys want to hear. So if you want to email me, you can find me at wendy.bats at nasm.org or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And my information right here, dr.martymiller72. And then email marty.miller at nasm.org. Wendy, thank you for all of your 
tips and pointers. I think you really hit on a lot of things that people can take away. Hopefully all of you enjoyed it. And most importantly, we look forward to seeing you next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable.